Eli here and Twilight Boy, Chris Funder here with Alex Ray Williams for another edition of Wrestling All Star. Alex, how are you, mate? Feeling good, mate. Uh, ready to talk about this week of wrestling and ready to light the fuse very poorly. <laughs> yeah, um, I've been working flat out this week, so this one's a bit later, and I haven't had time to tally up our New Japan Cup, so... Uh, Next week, without a pay-per-view, I think we'll be doing a bit extra New Japan Cup then. I'll give you a spoiler. <laughs> I've got almost every match wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so with that being said, let's get straight into it. NXT number 445. Uh, this week, it kicked off with a non-title tag team match of Danny Burch and Oni Lorkin defeating Timothy Thatcher and Tommaso Ciampa. A singles match of Ember Moon with Shotzi Blackheart defeating Aaliyah with Jesse Kamei and Robert Stone in her corner. The thing I was looking forward to the most, the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship match where it is the cash-in of the Women's Dusty Rose Tag Team Classic Cup. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we have Nia Jackson, Shayna Baszler, the Women's Tag Team Champions, taking on Dakota, taking on the Heartbreak Kick Dakota Kai and the big lady cool Raquel Gonzalez, who are the uh, 2021 Women's Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Cup winners. Um, for myself, most of this match was really good until the finish, and it just sort of let all the air out of the balloon for the rest of the show. Did you feel the same? Oh, big time. Big time. I know what they're doing. Like, I think I said it. A couple of weeks ago, they're going to do some bull crap to get out of this match so they can have, like, a tag team from each of the brands challenge Nia Jax and Shayna in a four-way at Mania. Yeah. Uh, that's exactly where we're heading. So uh, the finishing result is, uh, I believe it's Shayna's got Dakota uh, trying to lock in the Carapeta clutch, but they go back towards Dakota's corner. Raquel takes herself in goes to uh, knock Nia off the apron, but takes out the lady ref. Nia and Raquel brawl on the outside, going over the announce table. Shayna has the Karafuda clutch on Dakota, who's not the legal person, and a raw referee runs in and the match is waved off or something? I have no idea. Yeah, I think it... Like, they're trying to tell the story of, like, Adam Pearce, like, trying to be a corrupt Raw general manager, trying to make sure the tag titles stay on a Raw tag team. But it was just a confusing finish in the end. Yeah. Um, the rest of the show, I just sort of zoned out for um, Cameron Grimes versus Bronson Reed, where Cameron Grimes won. And the main event, a non-title match. Hey, look, Finn Balor showed up. And beats Roderick Strong in around 13 minutes and Adam Cole standing there and spooky and finish. Yep. Great. This was probably one of the better, uh, like, built-around women's tag team matches and it actually got time, like, in the time that Nia and Shayna have been champions in either of their reigns. But the finish, sadly, just... It, it was terrible and... It ruined the match and ruined the rest of the show. Thumbs down, NXT. Thumbs down. Yeah, thumbs down as well from me. Um, 
the next episode of NXT is going to be very intriguing because they're going guns a-blazing this next episode with Adam Cole versus Finn Balor for the title. I think it's Tony and EO for the women's title. And then announced on Raw today, spoiler, uh, William Regal will make two major announcements. His so son I'm, is signed, and the women get their rematch. I'm expecting a repeat of that infamous TNA moment of, you wanted it, and you got it. That's right. Impact is moving from Monday nights to Thursdays. <laughs> uh, I'm expecting a similar sort of repeat to that. Oh, yes, now I've clued in. Yeah. Um, yeah, I suppose that is coming up soon for them. Well, that that's the big rumour, is that they're going to move from Wednesdays to Tuesdays, and we're going to have the Tuesday night wars between NWA, Impact, and um, NXT. And Dark. <laughs> and Dark. <laughs> I already know three of those shows I'd watch before NXT. Yeah, I think it's legitimate. Uh, it's back and forth between Dark and NXT. But the yeah. other two I'd watch first, out of curiosity. Yeah. Um, I have no idea where they're going. Finn still is champion to me, is stagnant. EO's sort of half there. Tony, as a baby, as a heel, when she's predominantly been a baby face, is strange. Rhea, now, as a I think baby she's face. Getting, I think, like, Tony's slowly getting there, but she's... She needed more of an adjustment period to get used to a heel run before getting thrown into the title picture. Yeah, and Rhea has been the babyface for the better part of the year, but I'd still say it's a bit jarring sometimes to hear that rock music at her entrance, and then it's like, you're all in black, and it's like, oh, yeah, you're the babyface here. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, that's NXT. Have fun on Tuesdays with Impact and Anthemel. Yeah. Let's go over to something that was good. And yes. W Dynamite number 75, The Crossroads. We watched this live. We did. Um, kicked off with the mixed tag match of Jade Cargill and Shaq defeating Cody Rhodes and Red Velvet, who had Arn Anderson, QT Marshall in their corner. This was a good match. That was, like, first of all, there was something they did on today's BTE, which... I was really glad they addressed. They shown Paul White backstage reacting to Shaq getting into the ring through the ropes instead of stepping over the top rope. And yeah. Big Show's furious that Shaq didn't step over the top ropes. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, come on, man. You're bigger than me and you can't even step over the top rope. <laughs> But, yeah, Shaq, like, at first I was really worried because there was times where his movement looked off, like, a bit slow, but he really made up for it. He And, like, it's the old Paul Heyman thing of hiding weaknesses and accentuating strengths, and him taking that table bump was just mind-blowing. Yeah, I, th I think so too. Um Following that, the rest of the show, a tag team match of Death Triangle, Pack and Ray Phoenix taking on 
and defeating D3 and John Schuyler in under a minute. A six-man tag team match of FTR, Cash Wheeler and Dax Hardwood and Tully Blanchard with surprise manager JJ Dillon. Oh, my God. Marked out so hard. We kind of touched on this on an episode of Fugs, which we recorded five minutes after this happened. But, oh, my God, I'm marked out so hard here. So can you go into details about the uh, replica championships they were wearing? Uh, I would not say they were replicas. They were the legitimate titles that they held back in the day. So... Uh, what Tully was wearing was the old NWA United States Championship and what uh, Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler FTR were wearing was the old NWA tag team titles. Oh, Coincidentally, okay. th- that's the exact like ring-worn version of the belt as well, what they used back in the day. Coincidentally, currently owned by Conrad Thompson. Yes, uh, we'll get there just after this match. But um, <laughs> the, the team of FTR and Tully with JJ Dillon defeat Jurassic Express, Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, and Marco Stunt. Tully, yeah, Tully for his age, did a lot. And I was not expecting that. He was so good. How good was that bit where he was going to go for that big dive and he runs off the ropes and goes to dive, but just turns around and just does his old classic Tully strut, which <laughs> people were like, oh, because I, I read the Fight TV chat sometimes because it's just entertaining how, how stupid people are on there. They're like, oh, he's just a Ric Flair ripoff. I'm like, come on, dude. You can seriously tell there's a difference in the strut. Come on, man. <laughs> Following that was the... AEW Women's World Title Eliminator Tournament final match of Rio Mizunami defeating Nyla Rose, who had Vicky Guerrero in her corner. A good women's match. Really good women's match. Um, Another really good Nyla match as well. Yeah, I was going to say, Nyla had, like, every single one of her matches was the standout match of that particular round in the tournament. Like, yeah, I... she killed it. She's on fire at the moment, and she needs to be taken away from Vicky Guerrero and be built as a monster baby face. Yeah, I could see that happening. Um, current main event of the night was the AEW TNT title number one contendership face of revolution ladder qualifying match. Hey, Max Caster defeated 10 in about 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> It was, a, it was an all right match for what it was, um, two sort of newer guys. Yeah, um, I think I liked, there's so much upside to Max Caster. It's just ridiculous. I liked the entrance because, like, 10 is um, Minus One's favourite wrestler, so Minus One comes out with all Dark Order, and, like, when Max Caster's music begins, he's, like, sort of pulled 10 down and whispering in his ear. And then, yeah. like, Max Cast is, like, dissing on 10 and minus 1 and 10's holding back minus 1. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Like, minus 1 is already, like, just leaps and bounds ahead of half the roster in terms of selling and, like, just 
simple ring presence in there, like how to react to things. Like minus one's going to be a superstar in like ten years. Uh, main event of the night was the tag team match of Adam Page and John Silver defeating Mark Quinn and Matt Hardy in about ten minutes. Um, yeah, sort of just setting up to their match at Revolution. I like the end here where the entire locker room empties out. And you oh. know how Cody has his little platform that he sort of ascends uh, yeah. to make his entrance? Maybe yeah. one standing on there got his hands on his face and going, oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, negative one, just killing it. Yeah. Um, really good show, AEW this week. Uh, thumbs up. Can we talk about the Inner Circle press conference? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, quickly, I just want to say that was a great closing segment, but I don't know if that's the way you go home into your pay-per-view. Yeah, I agree with that as well. Yeah. Um, All right, let's talk about this press conference because, my God. <laughs> so it's like so-and-so from Barstool uh, Sports. So-and-so okay, from... so I'll, I'll already have to stop you. So that guy that was not mic'd up properly for the press conference. He was at one point like a regular recurring host on RBR Weekly Wrestling Talk, Robbie Fox. So the more you know people. (laughs) There you go. Uh, So-and-so from Bleacher Report, which is like loosely affiliated with TNT. Yeah, and that that dude was on the NXT TakeOver pre-show, the last TakeOver pre-show where LA Knight or Eli Drake interrupted. Do you remember that? Probably not, because I probably didn't watch the pre-show. Yeah, so that's how LA Knight made his big debut in NXT, and he interrupted that dude that showed up at the press conference. So I was like, oh. Okay, cool. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um and then Jericho welcomes the next person. Hey turkey tits. Conrad <laughs> <laughs> uh, as... felt this so well because like he sort of walked away so defeated that I kind of felt bad for the dude. Like it kind of looked like he was genuinely sad. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but known as that mortgage guy go get some blue chew and here's a podcast with yeah all your nwa heroes listen now yes yes uh and a kurt angle podcast now too <laughs> I'm, I'm a big fan you're not yeah i don't get it um conrad thompson everyone <laughs> uh i like i think it's either the final guest or like one of the final guests Mr. Easy E. Yeah, he was the final guest. And that's, it's kind of like a recurring thing with like Chris Jericho and then a circle. Like they had that town hall thing a couple of months ago, and Eric Bischoff showed up for the open mic to ask a question. He had that debate against Orange Cassidy, and Eric Bischoff showed up to be the moderator. So, <laughs> I forgot I like about that debate. How did I not put that in my promo of the year? Yeah, uh, that's probably a good point. That should have been up there, now that I think about it. I should have done it too. Um, yeah, so I like this recurring theme of Eric Bischoff constantly turning up 
to sort of put in his two bobs worth for the inner circle. Sort of be their foil. Yeah. Um, good show, in my opinion. Hands down, one Wednesday night again. Yeah, I, th- I think it was something like 700 something thousand yet again for NXT to 994,000 this week for AEW. So um, doubled the margin from the previous week, if that's the uh, correct figures. Wow. Yeah, like Shaq is a huge draw, though. Like, imagine, like, they bring Shaq back and they're unopposed on Wednesday nights. Yeah. Um, I suppose we can talk more about that after the uh, the pay-per-view, but we'll get there. Um, also, the uh, on-air arrival, I suppose, of sorts of Mr. No More BS. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, what a dodgy, like, Attitude Era t-shirt this was. <laughs> Doesn't it fit him, though? Like, it, it, it's perfect. It just, like, the font on it, like, it just looks like a knockoff 90s t-shirt. I think it looks horrible. The, fr- the phrase is perfect. I just hate the look of the t-shirt. Yeah. Um, I'm a fan. <laughs> uh, yeah, each to their own. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, but no more BS is such a killer phrase, and the whole crowd was chanting it. I thought uh, Mr. Paul White, or as Tony Schiavone called him a couple of times on commentary and during the interview, G, I loved him calling him G. It's just a little subtle reference to the giant. Ah, oh, yes, of course. Yeah, like, like, it was another thing, like, when Sting returned and getting to hear Tony Schiavone say it's Sting again, like, it was something I was nostalgic for that I didn't know I was nostalgic for. What about- Same thing, seeing Tony Schiavone just interview Paul White. I didn't realise I was nostalgic for it, but it was nostalgic for me. What about NWA nostalgia and Tully Blanchard and JJ Dillon? Oh, yeah, that was huge. Like, Tully coming out in his old robe as well. And then at the end of it, I, we didn't touch on this, like, oh, hooray, Sean Spears helped him win. Like, who cares about him? Hey, you be nice to him. He's an honorary Australian, kind of. Yeah, well, apparently he's been gone for a long time and no one noticed. <laughs> yeah, didn't you notice he was gone? No, because I just assumed he was probably wrestling on Dark. <laughs> Dark? Now with four hours of matches. Yeah, um, we'll get there. But uh, the thing that blew, well, that intrigued me the most was Arn Anderson popping his head out on the ramp and just throwing up the four fingers for Sean Spears, FTR, JJ and Tully. Yeah, I suppose that was a... Uh something a little nice, and then as they're walking off, didn't JJ say something to Shivani? Yeah, yeah, I think JJ's like, oh, that's just doing a classic JJ thing, like, you see that? That's how you take care of it, or something like that, and, and Tony just goes, alright, JJ, you can go down, they're not paying you extra to talk. <laughs> <It was> a, <laughs> just little, like one of those great, like, 
Yeah, it was just a great off the cuff sort of spontaneous moment. I love I love that sort of stuff. It makes sense for him being aligned there with the heels as well, and Tony being a, a face commentator. Yeah, and Tony more often than not was the guy holding the microphone for all of those four horsemen promos back in the eighties. Wow. What a long career he's had. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, from there, I suppose we go to uh, another show that's had a long career, WWE SmackDown. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Don't get too excited there, as it kicked off with a singles match of King Corbin defeating Montez Ford. Mm. How about <laughs> to follow that, a singles match of Angelo Dawkins defeating Sami Zayn? Mm. How about... Dominic Mysterio defeats Chad Gable. Okay. By the way, I didn't watch this. <laughs> I saw I saw clips of it on social media and stuff like that. Yeah. Bianca Belair with Reginald and Sasha Banks defeats Shayna Baszler with Nia Jax. Yep. Cesaro defeats Murphy. Okay. In five minutes. Good match. Yeah, that would have been good. And main event of a steel cage match where Daniel Bryan defeated Jey Uso with Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns ringside in about 15 minutes. How was that? Uh, it was good. Right. I thought SmackDown this week sucked. Yeah, I didn't have time to watch it. And I was like, I once I saw results for it, I was like, I can't be bothered going back to watch that. I thought the Cesaro-Murphy match was good. Uh, go check out the cage match. Other than that, completely skippable this week. I can't even remember any of the interviews or uh, highlight sort of uh, backstage things they did this week. Yeah, Reginald got fired. I completely forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about him later. Oh, goody. <laughs> um, thumbs down, SmackDown. Oh, yeah, well, I didn't watch, so I can't give a rating, but I'll just give you a thumbs down as well because you didn't even compel me enough by reading the results to go back and watch it. Yeah. Um, normally we do pay-per-view, but Alex has requested we do Raw first, and Alex actually watched Raw because I've been at work. Was yeah, it worth I'll... watching Raw? I was the note-taker today. Um I got a little bit too enthusiastic with the notes, trying to take like little sentences for each segment, and then you, I get to a certain point where, well, we'll get there. Um, take it away, man, when you're ready. All right. Raw opened with an awesome earlier today promo with Lashley talking about his title and all that. Said announced Miz gets a title rematch to kick off Raw. All right, let's hot shot that. Miz cuts an incredible chicken crap heel promo about how he got screwed by Shane last week. Bobby Lashley has a brand new entrance, new intro to his music and pyro. Dude looks like a million bucks. Lashley spends the majority of his of this match dominating Miz. Lashley wins with the hurt lock. Surprise, surprise. He just completely destroyed him. Drew cuts a promo on Lashley about how he deserves a title shot. Gets interrupted by an attack from Sheamus, who lays him out. We get a vignette for Rhea. 
Drew asks Adam Pearce for a no-DQ title, uh, no, for a no-DQ match tonight against Sheamus. Pearce says yes. Gets some comedy stuff backstage with Braun and R-Truth for some reason. It was very funny, though. Um, Braun demands an apology from Shane. Not the worst promo from Braun. Shane comes out and says he apologizes and goes to leave but stops at the ramp to say something else. But then he stops himself and then just ends up leaving anyway. I don't get this feud at all. My little note here. Is Shane bitter at Braun because Braun ruined his Raw Underground? Uh, If you remember that. (laughs) That was the kayfabe reason why Raw Underground disappeared because Braun just tore it apart. (laughs) Um... Pointless backstage interview with Shane. Sheamus versus Drew in a no-DQ match. No contest after both men simultaneously knock each other out with steel steps in the head. A fun, really fun match. Oh, Um, it's going to lead to a stairs match. Yes, yes. Uh, To get back at Paul White for jumping ship. (laughs) Maybe. Yeah, um... We had Xavier Woods beat Sheldon Benjamin. Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston came out in this new gear inspired by Sub-Zero and Scorpion from Mortal Kombat, which I popped hard for. Um, Get a promo backstage with Riddle on a scooter. Riddle gets the New Day to look after his scooter. Uh, Riddle beats Slapjack Guy, or whatever you say, however you call him, with um, all the other guys in the corner. Yeah. Hooray. Yeah. Uh, Shane comes out. He calls out Braun again. He calls Braun stupid a bunch of times and then runs away. And then we see Braun chase after him backstage into the car park. And we see this car drive off. So Braun chases after this car. And then Shane sort of pops up from behind the door and is like, <laughs> He's stupid. I wasn't naturally in the car. So whatever the hell this was. Also, Shane's cutting this promo and is like struggling to breathe. Like I was worried the dude was about to have a stroke. Oh, well, uh, that's not good. No, it was just really odd. It was like one of the worst promo segments ever. And we got bloody three of them tonight. That was the third. Um... Nia and Shayna successfully defend their tag titles against Naomi and Lana. Nia and Shayna are accompanied by their new manager, I guess, Reginald, who Nia appears to sort of have the hots for. What? (laughs) Yep. Sorry, could you repeat that? Nia and Shayna have Reginald in their corner now and it appears that Nia kind of has the hots for Reginald. And and commentary like specifically make note of that as well. Nia kept kept talking about how cute Reginald is and stuff like that. So they hired the guy who cost Carmella the Rumble, cost Carmella the Women's Championship who was it, Sasha and Belair, the women's tag titles on SmackDown a few weeks ago? Yeah. 
Yep. <laughs> so they've hired a guy who's done nothing but manage people to losing championship matches. Yep. <laughs> That's going to work out well for him. Yeah. Um, we had a Randy, Randy Orton backstage interview that didn't become spooky, which was surprising. He didn't bite of... a cookie and brought black liquid. No, no, we didn't get that. So I was like, oh, okay, maybe... Maybe that's not happening tonight. Thank God. Mm, we'll get there. <laughs> we get another Rhea Ripley vignette. We're now at the point where I've written, I've given up on taking notes for every single segment at this point. I now understand why Chris only reads the match results. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So then we get to the main event match, which is AJ Styles versus Randy Orton. Ooh, that sounds all right. If it yeah, had they... been done like 20 times before on TV and pay-per-view. Yeah, uh, this was a really good match. They obviously got lots of time. This is your main event. Plenty of spotlight on it. Uh, AJ beats Randy Orton after Alexa Bliss does spooky stuff on the big screen and Randy spews out black stuff again. And then he turns around, gets hit with a phenomenal forearm. Um, Raw ends with Alexa doing spooky laughing things whilst Randy freaks out in the ring because of the black stuff in his mouth. Oh, well, that's good, I guess. Um, <sighs> thumbs up then, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Oh, massive thumbs down for me. Um, <laughs> yeah. Although uh, Drew versus Sheamus is really worth going out of your way to watch. Drew posted a photo on Twitter of his back after it, and it's just all beat to shreds. Like, Drew and Sheamus have incredible chemistry, but we've talked about this before. Sheamus is like... He's suffering from Dolph Ziggler syndrome. It doesn't matter how good he is in the ring, just no one cares anymore. Yeah, because he gets that close to the title every time and uh, and loses, it seems. Yeah. Um, now, do you remember the pay-per-view where the stairs match took place? Yes, I do. What was it? Uh, I don't remember the year. I think it was 2014. TLC 2014, which was called Tables, Ladders, Chairs and Stairs. Yes, you're right. 2014. Now, do you remember uh, the participants in that match? Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. They've both showed up in AEW in the past few months. <laughs> um, it's, it's Eric Rowan. No, that's Eric Redbeard. It's Big Red. It's Eric. It's Eric Redbeard. It's Big Red. <laughs> uh, yeah, Big Show defeated Eric Rowan in a stairs match that went eleven minutes fourteen seconds. Oh my god, Rowan didn't even win. Oh, because that's when they started doing that gimmick with Rowan, where like they talked Vitna? about he was a Vintner. He was a classically trained guitarist. It was just like this giant dude who was extremely intelligent, but for some reason he wasn't intelligent enough to be able to cut a promo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know why they tried to split Harper and Rowan apart and put them back together so many times. 
Well, the problem was they split them apart and they pushed Rowan and not Harper. Or Bray get in trouble and they put them back together with Bray. Yeah. Oh, man. Fun little nostalgic trip there. Hopefully neither of us picked that pay-per-view. No, I don't think we're in any danger of that. Unless the humans humans reach out and beg for it, which I don't think they will. The other... TLC matches saw Dolph Ziggler defeat Luke Harper, the champion, in a ladder match for the IC title. Oh, that actually was a banger, though. That was like a really good match. I talked about that on our Brody Lee tribute episode. Uh, John Cena defeated Seth Rollins with Jane J Security in a tables match for John Cena's number one contendership status for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship in 23 minutes. I do not remember that at all. Uh, <laughs> what about this? The chairs match that went 10 minutes saw Kane defeated by Ryback. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> what about your TLC match of the night in the main event that went 27 minutes saw John Moxley defeated by The Fiend. Oh, oh, that's the exploding television match. (laughs) Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. Oh, wow. This, it might actually be worth going back and watching because it sounds like an absolute crap show. (laughs) One or two (laughs) little gems in there, but the rest of it sounds terrible. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Oh, how could. I can never forget, like, watching that finish to that match and just being like, what just happened? <laughs> um, yeah. Moxley, yet again, involved in a pay-per-view ending that features a somewhat confusing explosion at the very end. <laughs> I love this uh, entry here, and then we'll move on to another exploding match. So it says, and I quote from the Wikipedia <laughs> entry, in the end, Ambrose... Uh, retrieved a TV monitor, but it exploded in brackets. Probably Ambrose forgot to unplug it. Close brackets. Blinding Ambrose. Yeah, just <laughs> just dumb. Oh. oh, man. Dumb. But from there, we go on to AW Revolution. Did you watch the buy-in? I did. Ooh. So the lone bio match saw a tag team match of Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, with Mayaki Ito. Uh, uh, Maki Ito. Maki Ito, my apologies. Uh, With Rebel in their corner because she was injured or something and had a doctor's note or something. Yeah, a doctor's note from Britt Baker, (laughs) which is just great. I love that. Uh, defeated the team of Rio and Thunder Rosa in about 15 minutes. Um, was this worth going back and checking out? Yes. Yeah, I 100%. thought it would be. With a Thunder Rosa match, it's just I haven't had time. Yeah, and Maki Ito is... She was one of the true like standouts from the tournament on the Japanese side of the bracket. She's got so much charisma. Uh, yeah, just... She's so fantastic in the ring. Her being teamed up with Britt is a great fit. Um, Thunder Rosa 
was magnificent in this match. Yeah, like everyone was great. Did you notice who got the uh, the pinfall here over who? Yeah, Brett with some outside shenanigans on. Um, I think it was on Rio, if I remember correctly. I could be wrong. That makes but sense. Rio being a former champ and Brit sort of trying to work her way back to a championship match. Yeah. Uh, from there, we go on to the pay-per-view itself uh, from Daly's Place in Jacksonville, Florida. Kicked off with the AW World Tag Team uh, Championship match. The team of the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson, the champions, versus the Inner Circle members, Chris Jericho and MJF with Wardlow ringside. I did not expect this to go first. I can't. I kind of did, but like I looked at the options there, and I was like, "What's the hottest way you could start off this show?" And it's either this or that ladder match. Yeah. Um. For myself, I thought there was points in this match where it dragged, where the yeah. guys, uh, the inner circle guys, sort of just be. Uh, we're just sort of standing around in the ring, sorry, waiting for the Bucks to hit like a Meltzer or or more bang for your buck. Yeah, this match sort of, like, I thought this was an okay match. This was not a bad match by any means, in my opinion. Yeah. I thought this match was, like, really huge evidence that Jericho's struggling to keep up these days. Yeah, that too. Bucks matches do have a lot of stuff in them. It's like, maybe you could tone it down a little for first match on the show. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And and it felt like a young Bucks match that Chris Jericho was competing in, not a Chris Jericho match that the young Bucks were competing in. And if it was the other way around and they let Chris Jericho sort of... Dictate the pace a bit more? Yeah, that would have been a better dynamic in my opinion, but they All sort point. of tried to keep up with the Young Bucks pace and it's just not in Jericho's wheelhouse at 50 years old. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so the Young Bucks here get the win, retaining their championships. Following that... Honestly, I was half shocked about the result, by the way. I thought Good Brothers were going to screw them over. Or something like that. Yeah. Um, so did I, at one stage, I thought, oh, maybe this is going to go the way of Inner Circle um, just not giving a damn and uh, causing himself the DQ and beating down the other team at the sake of, like, once they lost. Mm. But we didn't even get that in the, uh, in the post-match because coming up next is the Casino Tag Team uh, Royale now, which mm-hmm. isn't even a casino battle royale, it's just a rumble. Yeah, I, I, sure, if that's the branding they want to go for their Royal Rumbles casino royale, then sure. Yeah, that's fine. I was like really worried they were going to send out like five tag teams at a time, and I was like, um, oh, that's going to look really gross. At one point, I wish this was just five tag teams because. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll get there. I'm going to just read out everyone's entrances, and then if Alex just wants, we can sort of go through some highlights of um, points once I read out everyone who's entered. 
Team one, the natural nightmares, Dustin Rhodes and QT Marshall. Team two, the dark order, Allen five angels with Preston 10 Vance. Team three, the inner circle, Santana and Ortiz. Team four, the Seidel brothers, Matt and Mike. Team five, the evil, or, uh, the dark order, evil Uno and Stu Grayson. Team six, the gun club, Austin and Colton. Team seven, the pretty pitchers, Peter Avalon and Cesar Bononi. Got to stop you there. Had no idea this team existed at all. <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll, we'll get there as soon as we start going down some other people here. Team eight, the Varsity Blondes, Brian Pillman Jr. and Griff Garrison. Team nine, Bear Country, Bear Boulder and Bear Bronson. Yeah. Team 10, Jurassic Express, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Team 11, The Butcher and the Blade. Team 12, Private Party, Isaiah Cassidy and Mark Quinn. Team 13, SoCal Uncensored, uh, Frankie Kazarian and Chris Daniels. Team 14, Death Triangle, Ray Phoenix and Puck. Team 15, The Dark Order, Alex Reynolds and John Silver. My God, was this a mess. I don't think it was messy. It was just unnecessary. Well, that too, but I mean, at points you had, like, so Dark Order's got three teams in this. Within the first five entrances, you have ten people in, and four of them were Dark Order entrants. Yeah. Alan Angels goes out first, but his teammate Preston Tan Vance is in there until 15. So it sort of became a, a, a thing of trying to keep track. Oh, he's gone, but is his teammate still there? And when the ring was full, it was like, are they there? Some guys were match- in matching ring gear, like the Guns Club were both in bright yellow, so it made it a bit easier. A lot of guys in black or darker sort of blues, darker browns. I think this would have been a perfectly acceptable buy-in match. Yeah. I, I disagree with you there. I think 30 people is too many for a tag team rumble-type match. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I don't disagree that maybe it should have been 10 at the very most. 10 people or 10 teams? 10 teams. Yeah. And you could have taken off about 5 or 10 minutes off of this thing, which went for way too long. And this should have been on the pre-show because... There's barely any star power on here that's worthy of chewing up bloody 30 minutes of pay-per-view time. Like, besides your your packs and your phoenixes and your jungle boys and your, like, basically your final four there. Barely <laughs> any talent. Would you say there was barely any talent in the country? Oh, no, don't knock them. <laughs> They're really good, I swear. Uh, I'll put my ne- neck out on the line for Bear Country. It just They're not ready for the pay-per-view yet. Like, no one knows who they are. Give them some dynamites first. Yeah, we could have done without... As much as I like Dark Order, we could have done with maybe... Yeah, one, get rid of five two and ten. Most. Um, Inner Circle was just the one team. Nightmares, you can sort of... Do without, but their brother is a booker, so what are you going to uh, do? And they had a big quote-unquote big angle there. 
with QT Marshall, like helping to eliminate the gun club, which are part of the nightmare family. And then like Dustin's like, why'd you do that? And QT spits in Dustin's face and QT eliminates himself and leaves. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure what why that need to happen in the middle of this match on a pay-per-view and why you couldn't have had an eight-man on dark that broke down because I think you would have got the same level of <laughs> level of interest. But um, yep. Gun Club didn't need to be there. Pretty Pitchers didn't need to be there. Bear Country didn't need to be there. Varsity Blondes, as much as I like them, you didn't need to be there. Yeah, and I love Bear Country, so like, and I even I have to say, yeah, they didn't need to be there. Reynolds and Silver didn't need to be there. Even SoCal, like, when was the last time we saw them tag on a dynamite? Yeah, no, they've been doing this thing on Dark, apparently, that they mentioned on commentary. That Mate, if, make that Dark if Daniel... an hour, and I'll go back to watching it. No, this three-hour... 15 matches crap. No, as I was saying, they've been doing this thing on Dark that they mentioned on commentary. I haven't watched it, but, like, that if Daniels and Kazarian lose any tag matches, they have to split up as a team or something. But then as they're coming out, like, whoever's on commentary says, so if they lose this match, do they have to split up? And Excalibur goes, oh, no, they told me, no, this doesn't count. So that just immediately screams, oh, well, they're definitely not winning then. (laughs) Why why put them in here? Why not do an angle where one, like, has their knee taken out and they're in the trainer's room and there's a count out to a qualifying match for this? I thought that the whole build-up here was going to be for the Good Brothers to come out as the last entrance. Yeah, they were nowhere to be seen, but they're all over Dynamite. Ah, oh, another team that sort of was, yeah, nowhere. Yeah, and then you also got, like, FTRs not in this. They weren't even on the pay-per-view. Yeah. Oh, man. Like, hats off to AEW. They've got so many tag teams. Like, this is just evidence of it. But, man, you could have done without half of these guys, and you could have shortened this thing by about 10, 15 minutes in my eyes. This was unnecessarily long and so uninteresting, and it it took me a while to sort of rebuild my excitement after this match. Yeah. Um, so at the end here, it comes down to Ray Phoenix eliminating John Silver, which leaves Jungle Boy, Puck, and Ray Phoenix... Jungle Boy eliminates Puck, and then after 25 minutes, Ray Phoenix eliminates Jungle Boy, meaning Death Triangle, Puck, and Ray Phoenix advance and uh, are getting a title match on TV, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And now, like this week on Dynamite, we're getting Matt Jackson versus Phoenix, which will be incredible, I assume. Yeah, yeah. It'll be um, something different. From there, the championship matches continue as we have the AEW Women's World Championship match. Hikaru Shida, the champion, taking on 
Ryo Mizunami. Yeah. Now, Go on. Uh, Ryo here being the winner of the uh, the Women's Cup, uh, won the Japanese side and then defeated Nyla Rose, uh, the winner of the North American side. I thought this was a really good women's match. Oh, yeah, this was really, really good. Probably could have gone, like, maybe five minutes shorter and picked I, up the pace a little bit. I disagree. I thought they sort of had a feeling-out process, and then towards the end of the match, they were starting to hit each other a bit stiffer. I thought yeah. this match probably could have gone a bit longer if you wanted to really start uh, laying them in a lot harder. But yeah. I thought uh, for what you want to achieve here, this was the perfect length. Uh, Hikaru retaining here. Uh, However, my my general theory for this entire pay per view is every single match should have gone five minutes less because this was a long pay per view. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's true too. Um, don't get me wrong here. I loved the match. The post match, however, why did we need this? Got to build heat, brother. So. Who is it? It's Brit, Nyla Rose, Brit, Rebel, Nyla, and Maki Ito. Yeah, yeah, all run down, start attacking the two women. But Thunder Rosa comes in, makes a save, and looks like we might get a six woman tag uh, coming up on Dynamite in the near future. Like this week. <laughs> has it been announced? Has it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, see, I, I, I don't have enough time if I'm working, not watching live, to catch up on all the socials. And today I've been at work all day before recording. So, yeah, sorry, guys. Ah, uh, humans, should I tell him now that they announced this straight after the cinematic match on this pay-per-view? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after that match, I had to get up and uh, see the uh, refreshments in the lobby, so to speak. <laughs> Uh, as we go to, was this a match? Was this not a match? <laughs> of Kip Sabian and Miro with Penelope Ford defeating Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy, I guess? Yeah. The because... only redeeming quality out of this match is that whole spot where Miro deliberately pushes Chuck into Penelope Ford and then, like, Forces Kip Sabian to stop checking on his wife and tag Miro in or whatever. Yeah, I was teasing say, the idea of those two guys splitting up, which would be wonders for Miro. Yeah, well, I was going to say, was this a match? Was this not? Because didn't this start sort of in a backstage area? Yeah, the bell rang. <laughs> when they got to the ring, the bell rang. It was weird. It was dumb. Yeah, um, it was what it was. Um, Chuck looks like crap. <laughs> I did not. I did not like his ring gear. Yeah, um, small orange Cassidy bumps sideways for this one. <laughs> Mainly for what you said, with the Miro finally looks to be splitting off and maybe becoming a killer. Yeah. And he did look like a killer in this match. It's just everything else around him just wasn't it. And I love Orange Cassidy. I love the best friends, but this just wasn't it for them. 
have I gone over uh, Paul Wright's big announcement of his friend? Or is that still to come in the show? That's still to come. Okay. Well, before we get there, you let me know. Next was the big money match of Hangman Adam Page versus Matt Hardy. This was unnecessary. I I, um, thought this was Matt Hardy's best match in a long, long time, but that says absolutely nothing. That means nothing in 2021. Yeah, I agree with you there. It's just this didn't need to be on the pay-per-view like the match before it. This could have been fine on Dynamite this week. Uh, I I somewhat disagree because I think the story heading into this was somewhat compelling. I just... The problem is this is definitely one of those matches that could have lost like 10 minutes. Yeah, You could have cut um, 10 minutes off this. You could have just had Hangman like you could have just had a sprint through that finish that they did and just have Hangman just murder Matt Hardy. Bugger it. Do you have the total pay-per-view time in front of you? No. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I felt this would have just been fine on Dynamite. I didn't think the fan base was clamouring to see this on pay-per-view as the Kip Serrett. Sabian Miro match first Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy. Yeah, um, it was what it was. Following that uh, was the AEW TNT number one contendership championship qualifying ladder match face of revolution thingy. <laughs> um, now, what did you think of the item they had to grab to win the match? How I'm, did big, it look? I'm a big fan of Sonic. <laughs> it looks like one of those golden ring things that Sonic has to try and catch. Okay, so that was your first thought when you saw it? Yep. I thought I saw this and I'm like, why are they fighting for a giant donut? <laughs> I, I, I could not get that image out of my head and then it's like, I don't associate this with TNT champion. Um, yeah. Um, typical sort of ladder match. People get taken out. People crazy bumps. A few men lay out on the outside while others fight. Um, what did you think of the new signing? Was this before this? No, that was in this match. Oh, yes. Uh, Canadian boy. Yeah. Um, we got another page on the roster. Page how? Yes. <laughs> no. No, uh, not so we that got, page, but we got e- Ethan Page. Um, full disclosure, I've watched the post pay per view media scrums on YouTube, and there was an interview with Hangman, and he said. Uh, something about, oh, it's really good to have my cousin Ethan show up here in AEW. I haven't seen him since our last family reunion at Diamond Dallas's house a couple of years ago. (laughs) (laughs) I was just, like, Hangman Page is just hilarious, but um, Yeah, you always gotta pay pay note to uh, you've always gotta take note of Page's uh, name graphic when it pops up. 
Yeah, yeah. This is just hilarious. He was very blatantly like hammered in the post <laughs> the post pay per view media scrum too. He was like blatantly drunk. It was hilarious. Um, I think Ethan Page is a fantastic signing for AEW though. Like this dude can go on the microphone. Um, like you look at photos from him from like a year ago even and he's just completely changed his body he's like completely shredded now he's fantastic in the ring he was like half of like a genuine tag team of the year contender for me in the north and that's from a company that barely matters and he had that much of an impact on me no pun intended and now he's got a chance to show his thing by himself. I think this is a great opportunity for Ethan Page. And, yeah, I'm really excited. Do you remember the name of the second person in the North? Yeah, Josh Alexander. I wish his contract was up too. Where's he? Impact. Oh, I mean, not where. I mean, for how long? Sorry, long day. <laughs> Uh, I'm not too sure the exact details on that. I think the rumour is like one or two. Years? Yeah. Ooh, unlucky. Yeah. Oh, but hopefully... Of himself. Well, there's a forbidden door that's apparently opened, so maybe they can just bring Josh Alexander over and we can have a cross-promotional tag team. Because, <laughs> you know, AEW needs more tag teams. <laughs> yeah, um... Maybe not, but, mm. but um, yeah, th this match was good. Um, came down uh, with Scorpio Sky unhooking the the uh, Sonic ring, the the giant donut, donut the uh, brass ring, I guess the in gold, a way. The golden baby floaty. <laughs> yes, the uh, the uh, car seat. If you have. Hemorrhoids. <laughs> oh, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, the hemorrhoid ring. Um, yeah, yeah. It was um, not a nice prop, was it? No, I, I get what they were trying to do by having the brass ring thing, but and I get that for it to really stand out on TV, you've got to make it big. But, oh, man, it just looks so stupid. But this match was actually good. I liked it. Yeah, um, I myself, yeah, it was take or leave it. Um, by this point in the night, I'd sort of, I've sort of, uh, it's been a bit hit and miss for me. So this was just sort of, you know, that's all right. Um, See, for me, this is where like the pay per view gets really good and it stays like that for a couple of matches. Okay. Um, do we have Big uh, Paul's friend appear now or after this? So now, yeah. Okay. After the ladder match. So earlier in the night, uh, Paul writes backstage in front of a locker room saying, Dasha, only me and Tony Khan and the uh, talent involved know who's appearing tonight, and you'll have to find out with the rest of the world. We get uh, there. Any guesses, any guesses going into this? I had seen Kurt Angle rumoured. <laughs> And I gave. Did you see the video Kurt Angle posted, which caused all the rumors? I saw him 
post a photo of his boots unlaced. Yeah, and there's a video to go along with that, and it's like him putting on his like old school like American flag gear from like 1999. Yeah, I, I did not in any way think it was that. Um, I thought uh, before I'd seen NXT because uh, we we're watching Dynamite live. I thought, doesn't Adam Cole's contract finish soon? Is he serving his no? Oh wait, no, he's on NXT this week. It won't be him. No, that would be huge though. Yeah, that's why I was thinking when he said it was huge. I'm like. Someone from NXT actually jumped across. Well, he did say Hall of Fame worthy, and like I love Adam Cole, but he's not Hall of Fame worthy yet. How dare you say that? Have you not heard his Ring of Honor music? Oh, his music's Hall of Fame worthy. Yeah. Sorry, humans. Did you? I suppose. Because those were my two guesses. Did you have any guesses before it was announced? Yeah, um, I was positive it was Kurt Angle. <laughs> Main reason was um, that video he posted. Uh, who was that uh, Dynamite on Thursday? Oh, yeah, Conrad Thompson. Um Let's look at everyone Conrad Thompson does podcast with besides Bruce Pritchard. Arn Anderson, AEW. Jim Ross, AEW. Eric Bischoff, occasionally AEW. Occasionally. Uh, and then I'm like, well, Kurt Angle's got to join in soon. So <laughs> I thought it would be him. Um, I did hear the rumours about the guy that actually turned up, so I was like, Tossing up between Kurt Angle or the guy that it actually was. Were you on social media uh, watching live as this happened? Yeah, and I was so shocked by the negative response I saw. Well, before we get there, did you see any other, well, credible rumours, shall we say, before it was announced? Yeah, like there was a few guys that were like, listen, it's definitely this person. Um, it's definitely this person. Stop thinking. Like, there was people that were, like, going online being like, yeah, it's Brock Lesnar. It's John Cena. And, like, there was just, like, quote-unquote wrestling journalists just being like, it's so-and-so. Stop getting your hopes up. Were the, the wrestling is, journalists right? Yes. Okay. And the thing is, like... And then afterwards, the person comes out and everyone's like, oh, AEW overhyped this. AEW literally mentioned it three times on television. Once on Dynamite and twice on this pay-per-view. Yep. <laughs> it was the fans that overhyped it. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. So you might as well uh, reveal who the mystery man was. Uh, so we saw in the ladder match, we got a new page in, so we got Ethan and Adam page. So joining Brian and his family is now Christian cage. Whoa. Whoa. Christian. Whoa. Yeah. I, I was 
genuinely happy about it. The biggest pop for me, I don't know about you, was his TNA theme. Yeah, it's actually... Oh, I can't remember the band. I did look it up, but it's Evanescence, actually... My Last Breath. Ooh, somebody's been doing all their research today, <laughs> carrying the yeah, carrying the team. Um, yes, it is Evanescence. Yeah. Um, I think we talked about it on our TNA themes podcast, actually. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, because um, I genuinely love that theme, and I was pleasantly surprised that he got the TNA music. In my mind... Kurt Angle was going to show up with his TNA music as well, which would have been awesome if Kurt came out one last time with that. But Christian's a much better signing. We saw at the Rumble, he can still go. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to see what they do. I've always liked Christian the better out of Edge and Christian. Yeah, me too. Like, (laughs) you look back at, like, like when Edge and Christian were together and having that hot run as tag champs and all that, like it was Christian that was doing the entertaining stuff in the promos. And then when they split off and then like 2004 comes, like Edge is sort of floundering in the mid card. Christian's like, you know, having notable feuds against John Cena and Chris Jericho and stuff. And Edge is sort of floundering. Christian leaves the company and then Edge becomes the rated R superstar. Yeah. It sort of took Christian leaving before they went, hmm, maybe we should give Edge a try. Yeah. Um, Yeah, always been a bigger fan of Christian. Excited to see what he can do here. Yeah. uh, Christian versus, like, Kenny Omega, hook, hook it in my veins, like... Christian, like, going back and forth doing promos with a guy like Eddie Kingston? Give it to me, man. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Um, Following that, now, I don't remember this being announced as sort of a cinematic match, but it is the tag team street fight. The team of TNT champion Darby Allen and Sting taking on Team Taz, Brian Cage and Ricky Starks. Yeah, uh, I sort of guessed that this was going to be a cinematic match just because I was like, there's no way, like, even though he's been taking bumps, there's no way he's doing a full match. Yeah, maybe not. Um, now, what did you think of this match as a whole? I thought this match did uh, really good things for guys like Brian Cage. Like, Brian Cage looked like the incredible goddamn Hulk out there. Like, he looked like this comic book, like, like superhuman sort of dude in this match. He looked incredible, I thought. I loved the big Darby Allen stunt, like, diving and all that. I think even Hook looked really good in this. Yeah. I really enjoyed this. I have a feeling you didn't. Yeah, I, I did not. I thought... For it to be a um, a cinematic match, a street fight, they could have just done it in the um, uh, was it Daly's place and sort of brawl to that backstage area and then do the cinematic stuff there. Like I it think, didn't need to be in this 
abandoned warehouse and what the hell was that video package arriving at the center you didn't like that no uh, i thought it was very like on brand for like darby and sting and the whole general tone of the feud well yes but when this pay-per-view is already going so long did we need it <laughs> You and I are just going to have to agree to disagree because I thought this was pretty much perfect. I disagree to agree with disagreeing to you. <laughs> um, um, yeah, fair yeah, enough, uh, man. And, and yeah. like I've said before, watching live greatly um, greatly improves your enjoyment of something as opposed to watching it tape, even if you don't have spoilers, um, even if you don't look at results or spoilers before watching yeah, definitely. Um, I I honestly think the only thing they did wrong with this cinematic match was having live commentary over the top of it. But they've done that for all their uh, cinematic matches. Yeah, the problem was with this one, it was even more blatantly pre-taped. And you have Taz, like, sort of reacting like it's all happening live. And, yeah, I just didn't like that touch to it. Yeah, fair enough then. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just just me being me. But I, I was not um, particularly a fan of um, that match. Um, it was it was good, just don't get me wrong. It's. I think by this point of the night, I'd sort of hit a wall. And, yeah, right. And watching it, like, 10 o'clock at night on, like, a near 12-hour delay, it sort of begins to creep on you. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, But from there, did you have time to watch the AEW World Championship Exploding Barbed Death Match main event? I did. Did you watch live? I did. Okay. So it is Kenny Omega, the champion, versus John Moxley, the former champion. Uh, Don Callis joins commentary. I think he was there for the entire match as well. Yes. Yeah. Um, now, this really isn't my style of wrestling, and when I'm promised an exploding barbed wire death match, oh, compared to some of the highlight videos I'd seen during the week from, uh, say, Japan. Uh, I think FMW was the big company in Japan that did them. But um, I felt this was rather t- t- uh, tame and toned back. I-, I thought bell to bell, this match was perfect. I thought like, it focused less on the violence aspect and more on the anticipation of violence. If you know what I mean, like it was the first like 10 minutes of this match was just constant, like, oh, I'm about to throw you in. No, I reversed. So I'm going to try to throw you now. I reversed. And it's just like, it's like a good horror movie isn't about like the actual kill scene. It's about the anticipation of the kill scene. And that's what I enjoyed in this match. Yep. Um, and I will say bell to bell, it was really good for me. It's what happens after the bell that's the issue. Are you talking bell to bell as in pure wrestling? 
like from the start of the match to the finish of the match. Yeah, as in pure wrestling or uh, like no, logic just what or happens, what? just what happens between the start of the match and the end of the match. I just enjoyed that from the opening bell to the finish bell. What so happens? What did you enjoy about it? Like I like I said that the teasers of throwing someone into something, uh, the spots were creative at times, but they weren't overly like violent and like gory. It wasn't too over the top. Like, yeah, John Moxley's blade job was insane. Um, but like the selling in this match, I thought was incredible. Like simple things like John Moxley setting up that, barbed wire around his arm and the way he sells it as he's wrapping it around his arm to set up for that clothesline was just chef's kiss for me um yeah i really i just enjoyed everything that happened between the opening bell and the final bell it's what happens after the final bell that just ruins everything for me yeah i thought this match after such a long pay-per-view and sort of the lead-up into this match being underwhelming <laughs> for the last for your last five matches on the card, a large portion of it being underwhelming, this match took forever to get to that point of it being an exploding barbed wire death match for me. It was like eight minutes before the first explosion. Yeah. Like, yeah, shouldn't this be a blood feud where both men are just putting everything out on the line? <laughs> but they were. The, prob- the problem was they just couldn't get it because the other guy is just too good. Yeah. Um, now, saying that, the explosion on the ring ropes were good. The one where he did the dirty deeds through the table to Omega, that was... You know, I mean, it was what it was. It was passable. You could argue it was sort of muffled by the table breaking, if you really want to that, argue that. That's when I started getting nervous. When I saw that Dirty Deeds onto that thing outside and I saw the explosion, I was like, oh, God. Was this, it an fi- ex- this final explosion might be a dud. That's why was I started that- thinking to myself. Was it an exploding broom at one point that Omega brought in? It was a bat. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and that's that's a old Atsushi Oneida spot. Okay. Yeah, so um, I kind of enjoyed that throwback, but, like, you have to be, like, a diehard deathmatch guy to even understand that. Um, this was fine, and then... How many Japanese exploding barbed wire death matches have you seen that have had run-ins? Well, they kind of explained it, though, like why there was run-ins. Because for this one, they had one side of the ring not covered in barbed wire. And I was like, oh, that seems weird. But the reason is just in case we need to get EMTs in there, which makes sense. So, and also, Kenny Omega designed this in kayfabe, right? So, yeah. of course, he's going to leave one side open so his mates can run in and help out. 
Okay, fair point there. Um, this is where the match died for me. Yeah, the run-in wasn't completely necessary. Gallows and Anderson, who weren't seen during the Young Bucks tag title defense, who weren't seen during that tag title gauntlet royale battle eliminator qualifiers thing, who weren't seen pretty much the entire night, shot now to help well, Omega. That makes sense, though. Because, like, on Dynamite, they only ever show up with, like, Omega. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Yeah. Like, it it would have made a little bit more sense for them to get involved with the Bucks and that earlier. But by no stretch of the imagination for me does it make no sense that they came out and helped Omega. Yeah, but I suppose when I'm thinking exploding barbed wire death match, I'm not thinking, oh, yeah, well, we need a run-in in this match. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... but that's the problem. They, they kayfabe that the heel designed this, so they've got this out. And I have a feeling on Dynamite this week, they're going to go full bore with, like, oh, yeah, the heel designed this. That's what happened. Yeah. Um, yes, from the um, the run-in, it's sort of a full-blown conclusion. Omega retains. At one point, Moxley's busted open. It takes, like, what seems like another 10 minutes before Omega's busted open. Yeah. Well, like, almost instantly after Kenny went flying into the barbed wire, Kenny's arm was, like, covered in blood, though. Yeah, I'm more talking about um, his face. Oh, like, blade jobs sort of stuff, yeah. 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 Um, because Moxley's was pretty... Um, it was, like, a dusty level, wasn't it? <laughs> it was... Uh, yeah, it was insane. It was, like, Austin at WrestleMania 13. It was, like... All of the famous, like, blade jobs of the past, like, Great Muda, Blood Scale, like, yeah, 10 out of 10 on that one. Oh, man. Um, now, Omega gets a win. Everyone sort of begins to leave, and the buzzer sort of goes off. The, the ring's going to explode. And Oh, you missed a little bit here. Okay, you can go. Yeah, so, like, after the match, like, Kenny and the Good Brothers keep beating down Moxley and then they handcuff Moxley in the ring so he can't really move and he's pretty much unconscious anyway. And they leave Moxley alone in the ring to wait for the buzzer to go off. But then, of all people to come out to try to protect Moxley, it was Eddie Kingston. Like... Their whole feud was that they're friends but they don't like each other now because they had differences, but, like, oh, Eddie's... Eddie, like, hates Moxley, but he doesn't want to see him get blown up, so this is beautiful. I love this. Eddie Kingston turning face, I love it. Then um, the rest happened. So, in theory, Eddie's running down to protect John because he's worried about his friend with this explosion, and... I'm going to say it. Christian got a bigger pop than this explosion. Goldberg. Like, I'm not Goldberg, Gilberg Pyro here. Hey, don't you dare offend poor Dwayne Gill. 
Well, like, this was the level of pyro that came out. It was just, oh, man. Um, I, I, I sat um, there for, like, half an hour after this pay-per-view ended, just, like, frozen in embarrassment. I was just cringing so hard. I was like, please tell me that didn't actually happen. I just hallucinated that. That's, like, the worst thing that could happen. <laughs> now... Did, um, did, 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 what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So, it's basically, well, who would get sort of cheap pyro like that? I suppose 90 Sean on the ring posts. Yeah. But even then, only scaled down to half. Sean would get better pyro. Like, X-Pac pyro. Like, it was barely even that. Like, it was just such an anti-climax. And the biggest issue here is because, like, Eddie Kingston's sort of, like, covering his head and covering Moxley's head. Selling it. Yeah, selling it. But, like, Eddie can't actually see what's happened. The way he's selling it, because he's completely covered his face and Moxley's face, so they both can't see how bad that explosion was. And they just continue to sell it. But they didn't realise that the explosion was a complete dud. And then you got commentary. This is where they really went wrong. Commentary was the one selling it hard. Like, Excalibur was just selling it hard. JR and Tony kind of laid out, which was the right thing to do. Yeah. But Excalibur's like, oh, my God. Oh, no. Oh, no. And it's just like, oh, man, that's what made it bad. Like, there's, like, some footage of a barbed wire exploding death match in America as well. With Terry Funk and Onita, they did, like, a rematch to their famous one. Is this the one from ECW before Cactus Funk? No, this wasn't in ECW. This was, like, FMW came to America. Oh, okay. And they did an outdoor show. They did an exploding barbed wire match. And the explosions, like, barely went off at the very end. And... And they're laying there, and Terry Funk did the best possible thing. He just stands up, he looks around, he raises, he puts his arms out like, what just happened? Shrugs his shoulders and goes back to beating up Onita. (laughs) Because he's a pro. Like, if Eddie (laughs) Kingston just got up, or was like keeping an eye on what happened because there's no way he could have seen the explosion the way his head was positioned. If he could just like get up and just been like, oh, well, that wasn't so bad anyway. Let me help you up, Mox. Then yeah. you're out of the. Then you're out of the mud. <laughs> yeah, you'd you'd like to think so, but um, they got a bit of a deep hole to dig themselves out of here. Yeah, and then the biggest issue, like, I think, I don't know if you saw the video, after the pay-per-view, they had Moxley address the crowd in the ring. I've heard about this because I was listening to uh, 
Sunday night's main event and uh, Wrestling Observer Radio at work. Yeah, so like Moxley just basically said, like he grabbed the microphone and said, Kenny Omega's a tough son of a vi- son of a bitch, but he can't build an exploding ring worth for shit. And then on the post-pay-per-view media scrum, Tony Khan did the worst possible thing. He didn't own up to it. Yep. He um, pretty much said, oh, that was all Kenny. You guys saw the vignettes. He was the one designing it. He said at one point, uh, well, what did you guys expect? We weren't going to just blow up two guys in the ring. Obviously, this was the plan. Because we always had Kenny Omega design the structure to fall back on. Because the whole thing is Kenny's a bad engineer. And we saw the designs. They came out on Twitter and like Kenny Omega showing the designs. It was all drawn in crayon. Obviously, it was all going to fail. It's just like, Tony, if it was all meant to fail, why do you have your commentators selling it? Why do you have Eddie Kingston selling it like that? Yeah, like, it is. Like, yeah, I get what you're trying to do. And you do, like I said before, you have that thing with Kenny to fall back on. But you can't, you got to do a little bit of recovery. What are you going to do? Like, say, Eddie Kingston was so panicked about the potential of the explosion. He hyperventilated and passed out on top of Moxley. Moxley couldn't see. He got somewhat suffocated by the passed out Eddie Kingston on top of him. And Excalibur forgot to put eye holes in his mask this week. Yeah. That's your explanation out of it. There you go. That's a spin. (laughs) Uh, This was the dud to end this pay-per-view. It it was a bad pay-per-view. I, I, I disagree on that. But the phrase, um, the last thing, the last thing they see is what the people will always remember. Yeah. You can't come back from that. No. No, 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 no. Um, Do this... they address it on Dynamite, though? They'll, the thing is, they'll address it, but they'll try to kayfabe cover it up. Exactly like how I said. Yeah. And that was the worst thing Tony Khan could have done because now you're building mistrust with your fan base. Yeah. It's, it's We're not, not idiots. Good. We, we could just see what happened. It went wrong. Now you're going to start becoming Dixie Carter to us. And we don't want that. Just need that little bit of rocket fuel. Mm. Man, (laughs) maybe if they didn't sign Christian, they would have had more money to spend on Pyro. You leave Christian alone, thank you. You know, the biggest issue I have with the match was I thought it was good. Like, the finish was great. I don't understand why the clock was still going, though. That's the confusing part. The match was over. They could have just not done the explosion and it would have been fine and just had Eddie come in and save Mox. 
would have yeah. it would have been fine. The explosion wasn't even necessary in the end. Yeah, who who really knows? Um, I think for myself, that was a contender for worst match of the year. Oh, I thought the match itself was beautiful, but the, yeah, we disagree. I think if you promise an exploding barbed wire death match and you still want to close with an explosion from said match, that's still part of the match, and well, your explosion is fizzlers to Gilberg level, no. But the, this is this is the issue I've had for the past day or so. Does it drag down a match? Like, can Meltzer still give this the four and a half stars it probably deserves because he's rating it from the start of the match to the end of the match, not what happens after the match. All right, Meltzer can do whatever the hell he wants. But, if he wants that's to what, put in Tokyo that, Dome, he'll give it seven. But that's what I mean. Like, can you judge, like, this match because of what happened after it? For myself, I've always been of the opinion um, from video package to video package at a pay-per-view. So, like... Uh, from the hype package. So as soon as someone's music starts to walk out until the end of that match segment where yeah. um, we move on to the next package, that's all one encompass encompassing uh, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because you see yeah, it all that, as one thing. That's kind of why I used the, the qualifier. defense. That's why I used the whole bell-to-bell -bell descriptor when I was talking about how this match was good for me. Bell-to-bell -bell was great. What happens after the bell? Just trash, and it ruined the whole pay-per-view for me. Yeah. Um, thumbs down. <laughs> yeah, I can't argue with you. Thumbs down. Uh, for myself, if you're going back to check anything out, Check out the women's match and, geez, I'm just looking over this now as to what I'd recommend. <laughs> and the women's match is the line recommendation for myself. Um, wow. But for me, um, I enjoyed the cinematic Sting and Derby versus Cage and Starks match. Um, and, yeah, the women's match was great. Go back and watch this just to see Christian come out, which is cool. But, like, the crowd didn't even pop as much as I thought they should. Now, <laughs> I'm going to ask you this because I did notice it a little on the feed when I was watching it back, so much so that I rewound it. When the pyro went off and Eddie was, to a point, overselling it because he didn't know it hadn't gone off to as much as it should have, Yeah. did you notice the audience laughing? They were booing and laughing. Yeah. Yes, audibly. Yeah. Because that was still in there when I watched the replay. Yeah, I'm shocked that they, like, didn't just completely cut that out of the replay. Like, the whole post-match. It probably has been thing. now because it would have been, like, 6 a.m. or something in the U.S. forum. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, go back, watch Christian come out, watch, um, for me, the women's match and the cinematic match and watch the main event until the until the pinfall at the end and then turn it off immediately. Watch 
after the pimple if you want a good laugh. I was like dead of embarrassment. Like I've never felt so embarrassed to be a wrestling fan before. Like nothing that <laughs> from WWE, that that was it. Like from like some of the stupid crap WWE has done in the past. Yeah, but that wasn't how you ended a pay per view. <laughs> you didn't main event a pay per view with May Young popping a hand out. Did they main event a Raw with Katie Vick? No, I don't think so. I don't know. I wasn't really watching much then, so I'll, I guess for good reason, I guess. Um, like, this was one of those things where I felt so, like, embarrassed and, like, oh, no. Like, I'm a massive AEW fan. Oh, no, I'm just... There's going to be so much hate, and I'm... I just have to wear it because it's true. It sucked. And I just wish it didn't suck. Oh, well. Could be worse. Could be NXT boasting about how you got good ratings. Yeah. Oh, well, man. It is what it is. You can't change that. Yep. But I suppose... (laughs) TV champs? Yeah, if you want. Um, who can I give it to this week? You know what? Because she wasn't anywhere near as bad as I thought she was going to be. I'm going to give it to Jade. Oh, very good. I'm going to give it to someone who made his debut this week in... No. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, yeah. Man. <laughs> no. Um I'd have to say honorable mention to Dakota for her work in that NXT match. Yeah. Um I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. I was genuinely tempted to give it to Tali Blanchard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honorable mention to him, he surprised me, but I mean you know what? I'm going to take one of my honourable mentions back. I'm going to say honourable mention to Hikaru and Tully, but I'm going to give it to Dakota Kai. Yeah, do it. She carried that match. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the throwback to the her and Shayna match, the throwback to the her and Nia match, the fact she's a smaller girl in there trying to outwork uh, Shayna who's better at grappling, to outrun Nia, who's the bigger girl. That was good. That was a really good match up until the ref bump. Yeah. Ah, well, it is what it is. Ah, so where can the good humans go find you, kind sir? Find me at Alex on Instagram and Twitter. Please be nice if you're going to tweet me. I'm still really sensitive about my wrestling fandom at the minute. I'm questioning everything. Um, search us up on on Facebook, Wrestling Ozstyle with an AUS, and find us on Instagram and Twitter at Wrestle Ozstyle with an AUS. I mi- mixed it up this time. Where can they find you, Chris? At I'm Chris Funder on Twitter as well. You can go back and listen to the entire Wrestling Ozstyle archive for free on SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher. Tune in. Uh, the weekly 
uh, what is it? TuneIn, uh, Apple Music, or your podcast of choice using the RSS feed in the show notes below. Uh, nothing left to say, but good day, and we'll speak to you next time. You remember when Christian returned to the WWE, but it was in WWACW, and like the commentary was just so bad for his return. You had like, what's his face, Grisham or whatever, on there, and he just got, Christian comes out as a big surprise to interrupt Jack Swagger, and the commentary just says, "It's it's Christian." Yeah. Oh gosh. It was good times. <laughs> oh man. Every time my Christian returns, that's what I think of. Anyway, bye bye humans. <laughs> Hang on, I got one for you. Listen, bro, we're gonna have an exploding death match, bro, but we're not gonna tell Kingston the Pyro's not gonna go. No, we're not gonna tell it. It is gonna be so not huge. Listen, bro. You got these new signings, bro. We're going to have Ethan Page and Adam Page versus Christian Cage and Brian Cage, refereed by Diamond Dallas Page, inside a steel cage.